We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor John Cromudgeon Lekomsky, and I have with me Pastor Matt, still young blood, Clark. So, so what's up with the new, uh, the new nickname, the new handle, the new uh, radio name? Okay. John? Well, before we do that, I suppose we should let people know this is wrestling, wrestling with, with the basics. The basics. Uh, well, I tell you what, I, I've I've realized that's what's happened. I'm not Jolly John anymore. I've become one of those grumpy old men who are constantly complaining about how things were so much better in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it came because of my heart attack. I, I have a suspicion it was starting a long time, <laughs> ever since retirement. I think it's begun. Um, so here's what I want to do, Matt. I, I want to get all my curmudgeonness out today. We'll have one episode that'll just be me being a curmudgeon, and then hopefully next week I can go back to being Pastor Jolly, John Lekomsky. Is well, that I, all right with you? That's fine. I'm sure our listeners are really glad they tuned in this morning, <laughs> <laughs> We've given them fair warning, though. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So you know, so no, don't, don't give us any complaints now. We told you right up front what it was going to be about. Um, so so here's, here's my first curmudgeonly thing. Uh, as you know from previous episodes, I think this whole coronavirus is God trying to humble us, trying to call us to repentance. But but nobody pays any attention to me, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a conspiracy theory. You've got you've got proof to back this up. Well, you know, it's like I, I say this to people and it's like they kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, OK, John. <laughs> and I know what they're thinking is he's just he's just a grumpy old man. That's all he is, is a grumpy old man. Um, I, I've, I've found two more things. For us. You know, we discussed this a, a few episodes ago. Maybe it was last yeah. episode. I don't remember. About what the church might want to repent of. And I think I found two more things. So and this has been my grumpy episode. Can I share those with you? Oh, no, that's fantastic. No, I, I think, it, yeah, yeah, just as we as we prepare for that, you know, the way I look at the, the coronavirus and this whole pandemic, I don't think it can be treated just in one sermon or in one Bible study or even in one episode of Wrestling of the Basics. But I think there's, the way I look at it is there's different facets of it. And, and you know, there's certainly... You know, uh, things like you can talk about the love of neighbor during this time. You can talk about the importance of staining God's word. You can talk about God's promises of, of his presence with them, us during times of trouble, things like Psalm 46. Uh, you can talk about uh, the blessings of technology like KFO Radio. Uh, but I, I think that one of the main facets of this whole COVID stuff is exactly what you said, John, is repentance. So I'm glad we're able to look at that facet uh, this morning on Wrestling with the Basics. So, so here, here, here's here's the thing. What what are the two things? And and I I think it's a call for the nation to repent as well. And I'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But I do think there's also a call for us in the church to repent. What what are the two things we've lost in the church because of the the COVID? 
donuts during fellowship time. Oh, of course. Of course, you would immediately go to donuts. And if I had donuts, maybe I wouldn't be so grumpy. That's the problem. I don't have donuts anymore. The donut shops are all closed. That could be it. I know. Between the donuts and no Ted Drew's frozen custard, ah. we, are, we are struggling yeah. through, John. You're, you're a curmudgeon, too. No More Ted curmudgeon Drew's. every day. No frozen custard. So, so outside of the fact there are no donuts, what what other things has the church lost? <laughs> well, I you know I, the two things that come to my mind is uh, fellowship, just yes. in person, flesh and blood gathering together uh, around word and sacrament fellowship that you have. I mean, I think sometimes we take that for granted, and it's my prayer that uh, people and pastors like me and you, even curmudgeonly ones. Uh, we'll just appreciate that all the more as we're able to return in person uh, to gather together uh, as God's people. So, uh, yeah, I think one thing is this, that Christian fellowship uh, in gathering together from flesh and blood. Um, so so here, here's here's what I, I, I drew from that. So we can't come together in the church anymore. In, in, in fact, the irony is we have people parking their cars out in the in the parking lot, <laughs> but they can't come into the church. And I wonder, I wonder if the Lord isn't saying something to us about these big, beautiful edifices and, and, and buildings that, that we have built to worship in. And, and again, <clears throat> don't misunderstand me, Matt. I, I think those buildings were built uh, in faith and love. Um, my analogy has always been, if you have a beautiful diamond, right, you, you're not going to put it in a tin setting. You know, uh, the more beautiful the gem, the more beautiful the setting around it should be. And I really think that was probably our ancestors' desire. They wanted to have these buildings that would show glory to God and, and to the word and the sacrament that goes on in those buildings. But I wonder if there isn't a danger that we become more wrapped up in the buildings and we spend more effort and more money and more time in maintaining our buildings. Uh, and I wonder if the Lord wouldn't remind us what he told the disciples when they marveled at the temple. He said, you know, gentlemen, one day, not one stone of this will be upon another. Uh, and if you don't think that's going to believe it happened to our temples, I invite you to drive through North St. Louis and see all these big, beautiful churches. And now they just all sit in ruins. So that was one thing I thought of that, that you know, it's not bad to have a nice church. But but I would point out to you that, that, that when the church was the most vibrant uh, was when they didn't have big, fancy cathedrals. It was when they were worshiping in homes and when they were worshiping even in sewers. So so that's one thought. That's one thought I had. That's a good um, thought, John. Thank you. Um, it, I, I, yeah, what, what's the essentials? And I think that as we can't gather together in person, you begin to see, well, what, what is really essential? What is really important? What do we have to have uh, the best we can during this time? And it's, it's not the building because we can't be there, um, but we still have the word. Uh, and thanks be to God for that. Yeah, thank you, Matt, because that, that's exactly, that's a very, that's a very non-grumpy uh, way of putting it. <laughs> that, that's the positive thing. Yeah, the word is what's important. And we do have the word. We haven't lost that. Um, the other thing that occurred to me is the fact that now we cannot commune, which is part of the yes. whole fellowship thing yep. you said. That he's, and I'm thinking, what an Easter. 
I, and I really think that may have been the first Easter in history that we were not able to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I mean, I can't go back and uh, see what happened at times of plague or, or when we had the thing earlier in, uh, what was it, 2018 or whatever. Although, see, that didn't happen during Holy Week. It didn't happen oh, during... Oh, the Spanish flu back in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I got to think, so maybe maybe the call for repentance there is that we would not take the Lord's Supper for granted. That it's like it's we've got it and, oh, we can do that anytime we want. Uh, and maybe it's the Lord's way of saying, well, no, you don't have it. You know, that's my gift to you. If you begin to just take this for granted, no, I'll just I'll just take it away from you. Um, another thing that I'm grumpy about it, cause you young people, you always want to change things. I know there's a big push now to, <laughs> yeah, young blood. I'm just waiting uh, for what comes next. <laughs> well, there, there's a big push now to have communion every, every week. And, and again, I'm not against that. I, I don't think that's a sinful thing, but you know, when I started, Matt, most churches had communion once a month. Uh, we were a radical church because we had it twice a month. And then, of course, when we started having Saturday services, we arranged it so it was offered every weekend. But we had a fine old saint by the name of Martin Westerman. And he maybe was an old curmudgeon, too. I don't know. But he was just a really good Christian. And, you know, he, he wouldn't come. He would only come once a month. And and I know that that drove his wife crazy because she she wanted to be there. She wanted to take it every opportunity there was. But but, you know, see, we have a tendency to look down at the old timers and think, oh, they're they just they're not as smart as us. They, they don't understand the way we understand. But the old timers had a concern. And that was a concern that it would become just a matter of routine, that we would simply go to the Lord's Supper because, well, that's what we're doing. It's just part of our ritual. Uh, and, and he was taught by good, faithful pastors that you ought to go to the Lord's Supper, but you ought to go because you need it, because you know you're a sinner, because you've repented, uh, and you go because it's what Jesus told you to do, and you go because of the promise Jesus has made. So, I, you know, again, if, if we're going to do every Sunday communion, the pastors butter do a good job of preaching to people, hey, this isn't some ritual. It's not like it was back in the old days where you went to the supper because that's what you had to do to be a good Christian. But no, we go because of faith and because of forgiveness and because of our need. So that's another thought I had too, Matt. Yeah, I think it's, uh, for me, the key is in teaching and, and teaching and preaching some more about what the Lord's Supper is. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm in support of... Uh, as a young guy, John, I'm in support yeah, of I, I every week. But, uh, you know, we say the Lord's Prayer every week. We say the, the absolution every week. Um, and I think those things, too, have the risk, exactly what you said, of becoming taken for granted or just becoming a ritual or an act that we go through. So as, as pastors, I think it's uh, our responsibility as a shepherd uh, to guide people to understand uh, what those things are. And not just Holy Communion, but all those elements of worship. Uh, and to appreciate them. And, and for us ourselves, to guard against falling into that same rut, too, I think, uh, as a pastor, uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper, not just once a week, but but I celebrate it as a pastor three times a week, <laughs> Saturday night and twice on Sunday morning at the congregation I serve. Uh, so for me, too, to guard against that becoming just a ritual or just a uh, act that we go through or just go through the motions, boy, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, but, you know, maybe this time of, of COVID is that opportunity to do just that uh, when we're away from the Lord's Supper to begin doing some teaching about 
okay, uh, you, you feel like, uh, you know, you're missing something. You feel like uh, you need to come to the Lord and say, well, that's good. <laughs> now, now, why do you feel that way? And why is that important? Um, so I, th- I think that uh, an opportunity for teaching, boy, is uh, just presenting itself um, through this pandemic. And and Matt, I really appreciate what you said there, and, and, and you've kind of humbled me a little bit, because uh, you're, you're right, the danger of it becoming just ritualistic isn't just in the supper, but it's in everything. Yeah. Uh, it's in the, the, the reading of the scriptures, it's in the saying of the Lord's Prayer, as you said, the, the saying of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a good point. That's something we need to, to be concerned about in, in the entirety of worship. And, and the only final comment I'll make about that is, is I, I do get the impression sometimes that the people that are really promoting this think this is going to solve all the church's problems. And I'm thinking, if that's why you're doing it, no, it isn't. Uh, in fact, I would remind you that, again, when the church was doing communion every day is when the church was in the greatest need of reform. Uh, but, um, so, so here, here's, here's my big curmudgeon thing though, because I, I feel like I'm the guy out there on the street wearing the, you know, the signboard that says the world is going to end in 30 days or whatever. And people are just thinking, oh, there's, there's another crazy, uh, cause I just don't, I don't, well, I, okay. So it's true, but, but anyway, uh, <laughs> you're going to make um, a reputation for yourself in New Athens, John. <laughs> Maybe I should start doing that. Now that I'm retired, I'd have plenty of time to do that. <laughs> Go get a lawn chair, sandwich yeah, board that there. you put around yourself. Yeah. Because um, what I'm afraid, and maybe I'm just not listening to enough people. Maybe that's the problem. But it seems to me that I'm hearing so much like, oh, don't worry about this. We'll be back in church again in a few weeks. We'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper again in a few weeks. In fact, it seems to me what, what I'm hearing people say was summarized on the sign uh, 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 of our local bank where they had on the sign, this will pass too. Um, and you know, of course, where that comes from the Bible, that thought that this this will pass. You know where that comes from the Bible, don't you, Matt? Yeah, this this too shall pass. Yeah, this too shall pass. Thank yeah. you. That's, yeah. that's what I was meant to say. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I got you. You know where that's in the scripture? Where is it at? I don't, where is it? Is it directly quoted? Where's that at, John? It's not in the scripture. That's my I didn't point. Think so. <laughs> it's, I looked it up. It's a Persian adage. That's what that's what Wikipedia said. Because uh, see, that isn't what the Bible teaches. No, it isn't that this too will pass. It might not pass. We don't know. In fact, here's what the Bible teaches about it. Um, you want to read? You got your Bible handy there, Matt. Always. You're still using your Always. Bible. You new people haven't got to that point, have you? <laughs> I don't read that old Bible. Um, Go ahead. So, you know, read Joel 2, 12 through 14, if you would. Joel 2. Here we go. Uh, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. So that that's that's what we need to be preaching. Return with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. R- repent would be another way of saying it. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Um, and, and so here's what I propose. See, we used to have a way of dealing with this back in the old days, Matt. <laughs> Enlighten me, John. <laughs> well, in the old days, when we had a crisis like this, we would declare a day of humiliation and prayer. Um, 
<clears throat> we've got to talk about what, what Lincoln did in the Civil War, but actually that this would happen many, many times throughout the history of our country. Uh, in fact, I was reading a book about Minnesota trivia, and apparently one year they had had a really bad locust infestation, and the governor called for a day of humiliation and prayer. And I don't know if you remember, Youngblood, you remember the old hymn book? You remember the Lutheran hymnal? Do you remember that, Matt? I do. Or was that before yeah. your time? No, I I got to use that at my vicar's congregation. They were still using it. Yeah, and that was it, though. No, not any, not in New England. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, if you would go into the front of that hymn book, yes. they have a list of of lessons and different days to celebrate. Uh, and in that list of lessons in the front of the hymn book, they had a day of humiliation and prayer. And Joel, by the way, was the uh, uh, one of the lessons assigned for that uh, day. That's why I had you read Joel. But you know what's strange, Matt? Have you got your new hymn book handy? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I've got it. <laughs> well, if you if you look in your new oh, hymn book, yes, there, there, is no, there is no day of humiliation and prayer. Yeah. <clears throat> it has been replaced with a day of supplication and prayer. Now, you're, you're the young guy. Why would they do that? Why did they take out the humiliation in prayer and replace it with supplication and prayer? That is a Any question, idea? That is a question for the hymnal committee, John. I am just a parish <laughs> pastor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, but that is interesting because, uh, you know, I was even looking at uh, resources, you know, as we do return to worship. Yeah. What, what do we do? What what order of worship do we follow? Um, and I, I think that's an interesting question. Um you know what what's out there uh and and you know in the hymnal i i you know obviously the the, the divine services are there right uh, your standards but yeah what what can we do as we return to worship again well i i and it's interesting you mentioned the committee because of course that's how these things are done nowadays we have a committee and i get the sense that the committee itself wasn't really comfortable with the change because they actually added yet another day. <laughs> in the new hymn book, we have a day of supplication and prayer, but they also added another day called uh, a day of local or national tragedy, mm -hmm. uh, which was what, of course, the old humiliation and prayer was supposed to be. Uh, so I thought, well, it's interesting. Well, we've added another day. My, my personal feeling is I, I just don't think they like the word humiliation. Uh, I don't think we think that way anymore. Um, and, and it's a shame because uh, it's actually very biblical, the idea of humiliation. In fact, you want to read another passage? This is, this is where the day of humiliation came from, Second Chronicles 7, 14. Sure. You got that, Andy? Yeah, I sure do. My people, <laughs> <laughs> my people who are called by my name humble themselves. Okay, so there's that humble humility word, yeah. and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So, so, and I suspect they thought, well, people don't understand humiliation as, as being humbled, but that is what the word literally means. It means to be humbled. And so I, I'm assuming as they did with, with thou shalt not kill. Oh, well, they changed that to murder. Uh, although I'm thinking killing was a perfectly decent word, but well, you know. Well, you are curmudgeon today, Jeff. I, I, I'm <laughs> getting it all out of my system. Promise you next time we record, I will not, but I'm getting it all out of my system now. 
Um, but but so so here's the thing. I, I really believe, and, and you know, we have people from all different churches that listen to us. And so if there's any good Catholics or Baptists out there that want to correct me, I, I'm ready to be corrected. But I think there was actually the Lutherans that thought up the whole idea of a day of humiliation and prayer. Because uh, the, the, the earliest reference I can find to such a thing goes all the way back to Emperor Charles V, uh, in 1532, where the Lutherans uh, had a day of humiliation of prayer. They actually had a different word for it uh, to address the Ottoman invasion that was going on in the eastern part of the empire. Now, now, if it goes beyond that, please, somebody out there who knows their history, inform me. But, but I do find it interesting that to this day, in, in, in Saxony, which of course is where Lutheranism got it started there, the, the Saxon province there in Germany, they they still celebrate and and Jan Jan's are one of our German listeners. Did you know we got German listeners, Matt? That's pretty amazing, John. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You. and you know he he sent us this picture of 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 uh, COVID masks made out of bacon. Thank you, Jan. I like Jan. <laughs> I do. I like Jan too. So Jan, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this, but it's called uh, the Bus and Betog. Booth and Betog. It's the uh, uh, um, it falls on a Wednesday, the, the eleven days before Advent. They have this Booth and Betog uh, day, which Booth is repentance, and Betog would be prayer. Um, John, you can correct me on this too, but I get the impression from what I read is again, it's become a ritual, like we talked about before, and so it's just another paid holiday. But but again, it was that sense that we need to have a time when we just sit back and say, "Hey, we we've sinned. We need to repent." Read, could you, you you've got this too, don't you? Yeah, from Abraham Lincoln, because uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War called for a day of humiliation and prayer, and this is what he said about it. Matt, if you could read that for us. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us a peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the difficulties of our hearts, the deceitfulness of our hearts, that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sin, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Isn't that beautiful, Matt? Isn't that yeah, beautiful? Yeah, wow, yeah. Wow, what a statement. And I'm thinking we we should be doing that today. We should be because that's the problem. God blessed us. We've taken it for granted, and and now He's humbling us. And I thought, well, that'll never happen. That'll never happen today. And yet, do you realize it has happened, Matt? Oh yeah, and you know, it's not not a war. It's not an atomic bomb that did it. It's just this tiny little virus that you can't even see unless you look under a microscope. Well, well, my point is, did you know that Donald Trump called for a day of prayer like that? Did you know that? Um, yeah, I, well, you provide me with this sheet here, John, and I'm I'm surprised that you are quoting Donald Trump. But yes, I I see that. But, but did you know that before I sent you the sheet? No, I did not. I don't think it was made that public. <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm thinking. Is it? It happened, by the way, on the day I had my heart surgery, so I have an excuse. In fact, I heard that Donald had declared a day of prayer, and I thought it was about me, and then I realized no, it wasn't about my heart attack. <laughs> but but could you read what Donald Trump had to say? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, this we, was on March 15th, the day I had my, my, my heart surgery. As we come before our Father in prayer, remember the words found in Psalm 91, it quotes scripture. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. As we unite in prayer, we are reminded that there is no burden too heavy for God to lift for this country to, or for this country to bear with his help. Luke 137 promises that for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And those words are just as true today as they ever have been. As one nation under God, we are greater than the hardships we face. And through prayer and acts of compassion and love, we will rise to this challenge and emerge stronger and more united than ever before. May God bless each of you and may God bless the United States of America. Now, next week, I know we got something else we need to talk about next week. What are we going to talk about next week, Matt? We are going to talk about um, another facet of the coronavirus, but we're going to go to the New Testament, John 14. Okay, but but at the beginning of next week, I want I want to I want to point two things. Out. I want to point out first of all, well, this is a great thing, and, but it didn't get publicized. That's what I think amazes me. So we call for prayer, and no one well, picked no. up the call. <laughs> uh, I do think there's something lacking in this call for prayer, and, and I'll tell you why I think repentance is so important. But this has been wrestling, wrestling with, with the, the basics. basics.